Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations, going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Our guest today is a leader in his community. He is a husband, Mr. Austin Reynold. How are you? Reynold, I'm good. How do I say that? Reynold. You got it right the second Reynold? I'm so Reynold. used to, okay, sorry. to people butchering it. So I just, at this point, I just go with it. <laughs> That's what, well, I instantly, I, I always have a panic attack when I finish the intro because I realize that I just instantly forgot somebody's name. Um, <laughs> and the bad part is I never knew your last name before I just tried to try to pronounce it because so, <laughs> it's, it's written right here. So anyway, um, off to a good start. Austin, you were from the just one outdoors podcast. Is that correct? That is correct. Awesome. That is how you and I met on Instagram. Um, as I said, you are a, uh, a husband, a leader. Uh, I like to go ahead and jump into this. Austin, can you tell me your purpose? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and it's, I've been thinking about this, I think, since the first time uh, you and I connected, and I, I've simplified it down to, I want to be a man of God, and I want to glorify God in everything I do. And while it's simple uh, to say, it it contains a whole lot when it comes to uh, serving my wife, being a leader in my family, uh, but also when it comes to like the Just One Outdoors podcast. Uh, you know, send myself apart um, and showing people the outdoors um, through the lens of a creator. And that's, that's what I feel is my purpose, plain and simply. But there's, like I said, a lot more to that. No, I, I really like that. And I like the, uh, it's not a, I, I know you don't intend it like this, but it's the ultimate trump card for when I have guys <laughs> that come on here and they're like, I want to be a man of God. And it like covers every other purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like every other decent purpose. Uh, I, and I, I really, really enjoy it. And it's honestly, this podcast has brought me even, even closer in, uh, in my relationship with Christ and Christianity because people come on here and they say, I want to be a man of God. And I'm like, it's, it's so simple. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that that's just the ultimate purpose. And now I'm, now I'm here with, I, just shut the podcast off now because that, like it just did my job for me. I think um, it's a whole lot easier to say, and it's a lot harder to do. Correct. And that is, that is a, another reason that I like it so much is because it requires so much discipline. When somebody mm -hmm. gives me that purpose of, I want to be a man of God, um, I the uh, the inner jock, I have a little, you know who Jocko Willink is, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, I've determined that my anatomy is there's like a little Jocko Willink inside my heart. Um <laughs> And he just starts losing it when like discipline comes up, you know what I'm saying? And so when somebody says that, uh, they're a man of God, I know that, that requires a, a massive level of discipline and equals the ultimate level of freedom. And so my inner Jocko just gets really, really excited. Um, so I love that purpose every time I hear it. So, um, Tell me, man, uh, we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire. You and I have already talked for a little bit. Um, we're waiting on my uh, poverty special laptop to quit buzzing. <laughs> so uh, we had a conversation before the podcast, but uh, I still like to do the rapid fire questions. Absolutely. Um, what is, if you haven't been on it yet, what is your dream hunt? 
Oh, I get to actually go on that this September. Um, a Colorado elk hunt, um, archery elk hunt. And it's been a dream of mine since I was a kid to hunt that's an awesome. elk. I don't know why, but that's kind of, that's my dream hunt, man. That's awesome. That's really cool. What's, what's, uh, what's next after that? I mean, you're doing it relatively early. What's the, what's the one that you're going to have to have 25 points to get? Ooh, Hmm. I, you know, I haven't thought of what I want after that. I think it's just, I see a species and I'm like, you know, I want to try that. And the meat yeah. eater show and all that does uh -huh. not do me any good because I see something. I'm like, I want to try that. I want to try that. Yeah. And then I look at my budget and I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can squeeze in the archery elk hunt. <laughs> Yeah, you sit there, you just got home from a from a really awesome bow session and you're so committed to bow hunting and getting that elk on the ground and you turn meat eater on and you're like, damn, spear fishing's kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I need to that's go noodling for beaver. <laughs> that's what I was thinking of is the spear fishing in Hawaii. Yep. I was yep. like, and that one looked fun. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know, killing a goat in Hawaii might be kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that is That is a goal. I don't know if it's yep. my next goal, but that is a definitely a goal. That's funny. Uh, word of caution. Have you listened to Andy Frazella ever? No. So Andy Frazella, he's a really prominent, uh, really prominent podcast. He does first form. I'm sure you've heard of first. Form. Okay. Yep. He, he owns first form and he's got a podcast called real AF. Um, he just fielded some Q and a to where this guy had just achieved a really, really big goal, like years of years of work, years of effort. He just achieved a big goal. And then he was suffering from hangover from that goal because he finally achieved it. <laughs> and uh, what Andy said that I really, really liked is that um, once you get close enough to the bar to grab it, um, you put a bar and like a, you immediately put a bar above it. He said, you never take your eyes off the bar. You want to make sure that you hit that bar, but you immediately put a bar above it. And that's how you keep raising your raising your bar. Like so, yeah, I definitely um, like that. When you get elk. to camp for your elk, uh, my recommendation for you, not that you need it, but when you get to camp for your elk, I would wait until then and I would get out a notebook and I would start writing down all the animals that you want to hunt while you're sitting at camp for your elk and then decide which one you want to hunt. That's the way I, I, that's the way I would do it. I like that idea. I'm going to do that. I, cool. you know, I've been thinking a lot of, about camp and you know, those nights spent with the guys and that's going to be how I spend one of them is just talking with, with them about, cause I have like this hunt. core group of guys that aren't part of just one, but are kind of like that core group. And yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of them are the guys I'm going to Colorado with. And I think one of the nights we'll just sit there, you know, as long as we're not dead tired from hiking all day, but sit right. there and talk about, all right, what's next for us? What do we want to accomplish next as a group, but also individually? I like that idea yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's kind of what I have the problem where I always think about what's next and I, I can't focus on what's in front of me. So. You know, when I started just one, I told my wife and, and, and just the hunting journey, I told my wife, Hey, help me, help me stay in the now enough. Like yeah. not so that I'm not like looking at the future and planning for it, but so that I'm not always looking at that because I was always thinking about like, even last year when I went into this incredible hunting season that I had, I was thinking, okay, next year I get to go on the elk hunt. And I, yep. I, at a time I had to take a step back and go, but I'm deer hunting right now. And I get to deer hunt and I have access to a lot of different things that most hunters don't even have access to. And I'm like, stay here 
enjoy this while it's here yeah. and then move on to the, to the elk hunt. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I, uh, it's a dichotomy and, uh, I fail on the other side of the dichotomy. <laughs> I'm always looking at what's next, what's next, what's next. So, uh, but yeah, my, right there not with that, yeah, not, not that, uh, not that it was asked of me, but my, my dream hunt, I think is a, an Alaskan caribou, um, either uh, that or a bear. Um, I want, I want a brown bear in Alaska with see, a bow. I, I've had conversations with two guys and I think it's between these two hunts and it's an Alaskan caribou hunt. Or yeah. I had a guy who I was talking to about, um, he has some connections with some tribes up in like the Yellowstone area right. that every year they, they hunt and they manage on, uh, on like the tribal lands, the Buffalo mm-hmm. herd. And yeah, that's what I was about to say is Buffalo. Yeah. He, he's like, this is, these Buffalo are from the original Yellowstone herd. And I'm like, yeah. Oh man, that would be really cool, but we'll, we'll see which way I decide to go. That Alaskan caribou hunt, especially, Hey, after meat eater, seeing that one, it was like, man, I got to do this one. Yeah. So, uh, there's actually, if you're looking for public land opportunities, my, I said it was the Alaskan caribou, but my dream hunt, uh, kind of like yours is, is the elk. My more immediate dream hunt is the, uh, the Henry mountains, Buffalo. Have you, have you seen that? I haven't. Um, the Henry mountains in Utah, there's a free range Buffalo herd that you can actually go hunt with a bow on a public draw. Um, really? you can publicly draw that, that tag for Henry mountains. Uh, there's a Randy Newberg episode, um, on it. Look up yeah. Randy Newberg, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, and he goes to, he goes to Utah and kills a Buffalo with a bow. Hmm. Um, so that's the one that I'm, I'm super focused on. Uh, that's, that's my next step. I haven't killed an elk yet and I, I'm going to do that, but, um, like I said, I always look too far in the future. Um, so it's yeah. going to be elk, hopefully elk, black bear, and then buffalo. Um, Ooh, see, we have in Missouri, we've started putting out, or the conservation department has started uh, black bear hunts. Yeah. So now it's kind of my goal to get a black bear in my home state. Um, that would be really but cool. I haven't drawn for that hunt yet. So maybe this year, fingers crossed, we'll see. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, man. I, I've got a buddy up in Massachusetts, and he was saying that a couple of years ago they were handing out black bear tags like candy. Oh, um, yeah. Now I don't know that that's right. Some of if if any of this gets onto your media and your listeners tell me I'm wrong, I'm an idiot. So don't. This is all third party knowledge, but uh, <laughs> I hear that it's pretty easy to go up there and kill a black bear, and so I'm hoping that I get to do that at some point. In some of those northern states, it. I know it is like I've heard that Michigan is pretty easy to get on a black bear hunt. Um, yeah, but well, I no, actually, so. uh, you have to, so it's easy to get a black bear hunt, but you have to walk alone through Detroit to go get it. So <laughs> I'll pass it's, on that. It's incredibly hard. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so. <laughs> that went, that went a complete separate way than everyone thought it was going to go. <laughs> Uh, I just hate the state of Michigan. Um, <laughs> don't let my wife, I, I, now my wife can't listen to this podcast because she's from there. So I hear a lot of good things about it, but, uh, <laughs> Detroit has just ruined it. I'm sorry. Like the, yeah. Um, but not the, not to get political. It was just a joke. It was all jokes. Just You're going to have people messaging you like I'm from Detroit. I'm no longer listening to your podcast. I would say number one, I don't know how you found it. And number two, I hope you live through the night. Like my <laughs> condolences. Um, 
<laughs> like, don't listen to my podcast. Go buy a gun. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> well, they can't buy guns there. Well, you know, well, they can. You just got to know where to get them. I mean, they have guns. <laughs> I mean, they, they have guns. You just got to go to the right spot. But anybody that listens to my podcast is probably not going to be able to find a gun. You're probably right. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's get off of this. Right. Um, <laughs> so what broadheads do you shoot? Are you a fixed? Are you a diehard fixed blade? Are you a diehard mechanical? Are we going to be friends after this? What do you shoot? So I, man, this is, this is one that I've put to the test this past year. And I, you're going to hate this answer. People are going to hate this answer. And it's the most like Midwest on the fence answer I can give, but I am 50, 50. I carry half expandable half uh, fixed blade because every deer that I've shot with an expandable has dropped way faster than my fixed blade and bled a whole lot more. So I prefer the expandable. However, in a lot of the areas that I hunt, it's very thick. So there's a good chance if I'm shooting a expandable that it's going to pull it or do something wrong or maybe, you know, catch on a branch and come open too early. All all the problems that you hear. Um, So I'll carry three expandable, three fixed in my quiver. And that allows me to... If I'm up in a tree and it's super thick, it allows me to punch through some of the, you know, branches and leaves and things like that. Obviously, I can't shoot through a lot of stuff, but it allows me to punch through more than a expandable would. So I'm kind of 50-50. I shoot uh, Rage Hyperdermics um, for my expandable, and I'm still testing the fixed blades. I started with the uh, Muzzy 3 blade. And from 20 to 30 yards, I was dead on. But when I got back to 40, my arrows went everywhere. So I I ditched those and picked up some G5 Montex. And those are what I used this year. I really, really liked them. Um, But I'm still trying to figure out what I want to take with me elk hunting. I've picked up some Exodus uh, broadheads that... I really like how those have been shooting. So I think that's what I'm going to settle with, but I can't, I can't tell you for sure right now. Yeah, man. I, I think mechanicals probably make a little bit more sense. If you know that you're going to hit double lung every time yep. um, they open more, they can get through a rib like, at, and especially with, with white tailed deer, I don't blame anybody in the Midwest that's shooting mechanicals. I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with, uh, I do the single bevel, the single bevel fixed blades. Um, yeah. Just because number one, I'm really impressed by the fact that I've seen shoulder blades split because uh, I, I I went to engineering school, so I'm a little bit of a physics nerd, and I love how when the uh, the single bevels hit something, they turn. Um, yeah. When they hit like a bone, they turn and split the bone. Um, mm-hmm. So you're not punching through the bone; you're hitting it, splitting it, and then going through it. Yeah. Um. So I do the uh, the single single bevel fixed blades. Um. And I shoot really heavy. I shoot high FOC. Um, what were you going to say? I, I've thought about doing the single bevel too. That's going to be like my next pack that I buy to test. So in just my opinion, not that it means anything to you. You've probably been doing this a lot more than what <laughs> I have. And uh, it's worth exactly what you're paying for it. So um, the uh, honestly, if, I think if you're going to shoot fixed blade, uh, you need to completely leverage the advantages. 
um, mm-hmm. like the fixed blade three blades, I don't see much point in that because you're slowing when you do hit a shoulder, you're slowing your arrow down if it's the same weight. Um, because you know, you're, you've got way more friction on the, the tip of the broadhead because you're, you're slowing it down if you do hit a shoulder versus a mechanical. Yep. Uh, and then you don't get that turning effect um, of the of the single bevels and they're not as tough. So say you miss and hit a rock, um, a kudu point or whatever single bevel fixed blade, the cutthroats, they've got a chance of surviving that whereas you're, you know, the, the three blades are done. And I've, I, yeah. I say this being a guy that shot the three blades for a little bit. <laughs> Um, I started with the three blade fixed blades and, and I started thinking about it. I was like, well, if I'm going to put myself, you know, in a fixed blade, I might as well completely go to the other way and, and yeah. use it for what it's worth. So, yeah, see, I've um, heard, I've kind of heard guys say the same thing that you're saying, and I just haven't picked up a pack yet, um, to test them. I have like a 3d archery target that I've been doing a lot of testing on because my thinking is if I'm going to spend all the money to go out and I'll cut you best believe I'm going to make sure that I have the best chance to kill an elk. Yeah. And I don't want to leave a, leave it up to my broadhead. Not, I want to have confidence in my broadhead. You know, I don't want to shoot one and hit the shoulder and lose an elk because, Oh, I didn't have a broadhead that I was confident in that could punch through. Like you're saying with the single bevel or, you know, most broadheads, if you hit the shoulder, you're in, you're probably in a little bit of trouble, but yeah. um, with, with the fixed blade, I feel confident that it can more than likely punch through the shoulder and clip the lungs. So that, that's I'll my t- take on it. So I'll tell you right now, two things that are more important uh, than what broadhead you're shooting uh, is going to be the the projectile dynamics of your arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got all your weight in the ass into the arrow, it's not going to work. Yep. Um, and the sharpness of your broadheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I shoot a dull fixed blade at it, it's not going to go through the shoulder. Yep. Um, and you know, you look at the scenarios of what, uh, you look at the possible scenarios of when you let that arrow go, it's either going to hit gut, which, you know, even if you're, uh, if your mechanical hits gut, it's not a good situation. It's going to hit heart, which is the best. Um, Mm -hmm. it's going to hit double lung or it's going to hit shoulder or it's going to miss. I mean, you can hit it in the ass, but you know, (laughs) um, so when I, when I look at it, um, a fixed blade is going to cover heart and lungs. Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to be equal in the gut and then in the shoulder it's better. And so that, not that I'm trying to persuade you or anything, but, um, that's why I went with the fixed blade is because if the worst case scenario is if I hit shoulder and stick a, a mechanical, you know, into his shoulder to where he's just going to have muscle bleeding and I've got to track him. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. If I hit double lung, if I hit double lung with a fixed blade, he's going to die. It's just yep. how far down the road, yeah. um, am I going to have to track him? And so and that's see, why I decided to huh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and for elk, I'm leaning more towards a fixed blade for those reasons for yeah. deer being a little smaller and all my shots are within 40 yards. So, a mechanical blade at 40 yards is going to punch through a whole lot, especially, especially shooting. I'm shooting like a, a 490 grain arrow. Um, Oh yeah, you're heavy. So I'm a, I have a heavy arrow, so it's going to punch through. Um, what's your FOC? Uh, I can't tell you that. I don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people know the weight. Uh, do you know what, 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 uh, what weight broadhead are you shooting? 
Um, I am shooting a one twenty five. With a what insert weight? Do you, do you have like a, a weight uh, insert? I think I want to. I've thought about going up. But I think right now it's just the ones that come with the Black Eagle Rampage. I think it's like fifty two grains. Okay, so. Um, so- I, I, I don't want to throw out a percentage because your listeners will probably destroy me on it um, because I don't know anything, but that I'm, I'm comparing it to the one that I've got. I've got about 14% FOC and okay. I would say that you'd be a little bit less than that, maybe in like the, the 10, 10% range. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, it, the people that say that FOC doesn't matter have never done projectile dynamics because it, it 100% matters. Like if you put all your weight yeah. on the ass end of the arrow, like, you know what I mean? Go go take your arrow and push it into something from the front and push it into something from the back and then tell yeah. me which one's going to matter. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's what I would say is look at look at uh look at the sharpness of your broadhead and then mm-hmm. where the weight is sitting on the arrow and then we can talk about, you know, what you're actually putting in the end right. of it. Um so but man this is awesome. I love <laughs> I love getting geeky about bow hunting with people that know what they're talking about. So And see, I've loved it honestly over the past year it's been a learning experience for me because like if you, if we would have yeah. done this a year ago, talking about arrow weight FOC, I would have been like, dude, what is FOC? And and I yeah. think that's one thing about our podcast that a lot of people like is we want to be real. Like we don't know everything. Like we don't know, you know, our, like, like I just told you, I don't know my FOC. I probably should, right. but I don't, you know, and <clears throat> we're not going to shy away from, from those questions of going and, and, or those responses of going, um, shoot, dude, I don't know. I, I can figure it out. Yeah. I'll do my best. But, and I think that's what helps in growth, you know, that I've learned so much over the past year, um, since, since starting the podcast, because I'm just asking people questions going, all right, what does FOC mean? How do I figure that out? And, right. you know, learning, learning that stuff. So, FOC is something I need to figure out definitely, but, or at least on my arrows. So yeah, that's well, good luck. Good luck because that is, <laughs> it's a rabbit talk hole. About a, <laughs> uh, well, not only is it a rabbit hole, you want to talk about a dumpster fire of opinions. Oh, oh. my God. Um, at my local shop, I even mention high FOC and I get run out of there and, uh, <laughs> they're like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, I, it does though. Like it does. This is how projectiles work. Like mm-hmm. this, it makes all the sense in the world. Now, do you need it to punch through a white tail at 20 yards? No. You know what I mean? I can get a slingshot from Walmart. That'll kill a white tail at 20 yards. Like, I know I'm not a guy worried that, about it. I know a guy that killed a white tail at 20 yards with just the bare arrow. No broadhead. That's very funny. I like that. <laughs> just shot it. And then was like, something was off and called a dog tracker. They tracked it recovered the arrow and we're like where's the broadhead nowhere <laughs> awesome awesome that's wonderful so, so from 20 yards you can shoot just about anything at a deer and have a good shot but when you're out to taking those longer shots especially elk hunting yeah. when you're taking 60 70 yard shots it matters a bit more oh yeah um no, for sure. And, and one way that I had it described to me is imagine if you've had a spaghetti noodle um, and then you put a, a, a golf ball somewhere on that spaghetti noodle and you wanted to throw it through something. Where are you going to put it? Very You're going to put it on the front end of the spaghetti noodle. Um, now, that's how arrows work. Now, 
arrows are more rigid than spaghetti noodles. So you can move that golf ball back a little bit, yeah. um, you know, because your arrow has to have weight yep. um, and you have to have something on the back end driving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to simply get through something, um, then you're going to put it on the front end. Yeah. And people don't, uh, that's the other thing is it's really not an argument of high FOC. If you're bow hunting, it's an argument of how much FOC do we get up, give up for total arrow weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like we don't want so much FOC that we're at 700, you know, 700 grains for an arrow yep. because you're not gonna be able to shoot it past 80, you know, past 60 yards. Yeah. You're not going to uh, have very and, much luck <laughs> and you can throw a baseball faster than it's going to get there. Yep. You know, like, um, I mean, hell you can throw a Dutch oven faster than it's going to get there. <laughs> um, you're gonna have to lot, you know, you shoot up like that. Yeah. Um, so it's really balancing, but there's like, there's no logical argument to say that FOC doesn't matter if you're trying to get through something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's making that balance of getting through it versus getting to it. Yep. Um, and so and that's one it, thing I've had to look at with, cause I've built my arrows specific for elk hunting and, you know, looking at them going, how heavy do I want to be so that I can get there, you know, at mm-hmm. say, say 80 yards. I want to be able to reach 80 yards if it, if the shot presents itself, yeah. how, how heavy do I need to make it at 80 yards so that it punches it hard enough that it gets through, but also how heavy so that it actually gets there. And that's been, it's been a learning experience, but a lot of what I, what I found was around that 500 grain mark. And I built mine a little bit less because I wanted a little bit more speed to it than yeah. going above 500. So I think a lot of it too is personal preference. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about, are you shooting three vein or four vein? Like what, what do you guys see in that? And you know, for me personally, with my setup, the four vein keeps the arrow straighter at a longer distance. The three vein still works and is accurate, but watching the flight of the arrow, I chose four vein. Does that mean four yeah. vein is best? Absolutely not. It, right. I think it depends on personal preference, the arrow, heck, what broadhead you're using. I mean, every little detail matters. And that's one thing that I've, as I've got into bow hunting more, I've really enjoyed learning about mm-hmm. it because there's so much more to it than just, and this isn't a dig at rifle hunting. I still rifle hunt, but it's, there's so much more to it than you know, going to your store, getting the 30 out six ammo, throwing it in the gun, pointing it at an animal and pull, pulling the trigger. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. And I don't go too hard on the, on the rifle hunters, uh, because, you know, I think, let me put it this way. There's a difference between hunting and harvesting. And I think you can still hunt with a rifle. Um, I think 90% of rifle hunting is harvesting. Uh, 10% of rifle hunting is hunting. And I think that, um, 20% 20% of bow hunting is harvesting and like 80% of bow hunting is hunting. I don't um, like, yeah. Yeah. And you said like with a rifle, there's people that are like, Oh, well just because you're a bow hunter doesn't make you a badass." And it's like, well, brother, uh, if you go find me a bow that I can nail an elk at 400 yards and hand it to my seven year old and he can do it at six. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like go find me a bow that can do that. It doesn't exist. No. Um, you yeah. can do that with a seven mag easily. See, I, I have so much respect for, for the guys who are doing that with hunting, you know, with rifles. And honestly, like I'm yeah. saying all this, not to bash them because heck, I still will take my, my gun out, but 
my, when I take my gun out, the sole purpose is, all right, if I see the deer out there at 200 yards, it's dropping and I'm yes. putting meat on the table and the freezer. You're harvesting it. I'm harvesting yep. it as opposed to, you know, honestly, some of my best hunts this, this past season, I didn't see a single deer. Like I was just out there enjoying nature and I felt like the buildup, you know, those, those sits when you don't see a deer, the buildup to the actual moment when that deer comes close enough and you beat it in its natural habitat. I mean, because that's really what you're doing as a bow hunter is you're beating yep. its nose, you're beating its eyesight to get it within 40 yards. I mean, heck, some people can't even get like a squirrel within 40 yards of them let alone a deer that is super oh, yeah. cautious, super aware to do that. I feel like it takes a lot of work and, and it takes a lot more of that quote unquote hunting. It yeah. does. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And, uh, you know, honestly, I had a lot of people, uh, kind of shit on long range rifle hunting, um, you know, punching deer out there, not deer, but elk out to 900, you know, 800 yards. A mm -hmm. lot of people, crap on that i i all for it you know oh. what i mean because let's talk about they're like oh well it's unethical to take a shot at that far from an animal okay well shoot it with a bow at 60 yards and you get the same chance of hitting gut you yeah. know what i mean as a 300 wind mag from 800 yards absolutely um they're like they, they, it's it's the same level of risk um i i honestly if i ever and knock on wood if i ever tear up my shoulder um you know, doing, I work out a bunch of, uh, outside of, uh, outside of bow hunting, but I've thought about it for a long time of if I ever end up to where I can't bow hunt, I'll long range hunt and I'll go shoot elk at 800, 900 oh, yards. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, to me, that's, that's just as impressive, you know? Because, yeah, it is because you know, the practice that went into it. Yeah. Like you, that's one thing, like you can't hand someone a rifle and then go shoot that far, you know, right. hundred yards, 200 yards. Anyone can probably do that. But when you're getting out there and you're dealing with the wind and all of that, all the outside factors, that is, that's impressive. Honestly, like that impresses yep. me. Um, the one thing I will say is don't come at me and tell me, oh, I shot this deer, this deer at 800 yards. It had no idea I was there. Well, of course it didn't have any idea you were there. That's yeah, the line yeah. I draw is you'll hear, hear these rifle hunters come in and they're like, and I, I've said it before, like dropped at 200 yards, had no idea I was there. That's yeah, no a bit shit. different than like one of the deer I killed this year was at seven yards. It's like, yeah, that it was at seven yards and had no idea I was there. There's a bit yeah. of a difference there, but all that to say, if you're shooting an, an elk, a deer at 600 plus yards, yards, that takes a whole lot of skill that honestly, I don't think I have. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, man, I was at I was at two hundred yards and that deer didn't know I was there. Well, he just walked off a fucking subdivision. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I okay, thanks for that. You know, um right. you could have walked up and pet it. I don't you because know, <laughs> I hear that a lot too. Even with bow hunting, that irritates the hell out of me with bow hunting too. Is right. when people hunt out of a stand and these deer just munching on corn. And they're looking at him like, hey, are you going to refill this anytime soon? And then you send a broadhead <laughs> through their lungs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. I just don't know why you're doing it. You right. know what I'm saying? And I say this, my first, I say this with complete honesty. My first deer was out of a stand because I'd had, I had been hunting public land for uh -huh. like two months. And uh, somebody said, hey, I've got a, a doe, a mule deer management tag to where you can come take a doe. 
And I said, I will be there. Like, I just need some meat because I just spent thousands of dollars um, tuning this bow up to get it hunted. Um, (laughs) So I understand that, but I'm also like not, you know, and to display this, I want to get a tattoo after I make my first actual bow kill. And Uh I didn't consider that good enough to, to go get my tattoo. Um, But yeah, I hate it when people do that as well. It's like, it's like, come on, dog. Like my dog <laughs> comes to me. Like my dog doesn't even come to me that well. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't even get him to come to me that well as, as what those deer just walked up to you, you know? So that is so true. Is so- <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it, it, and again, no hate, but you're not any different than a cattle rancher. You're not, you know what I mean? And so um, show me the, for me, I want to hunt over corn because it's illegal, illegal in Missouri. So yeah. everywhere else, I'm like, man, it would be easy to do that. Like just throw oh, some. Oh, it tastes great. It tastes great. It tastes great. <laughs> but there's no cattle rancher out there spending two thousand dollars on a bow standing off his back porch, you know, about to send <laughs> one to the butcher. That's not what happens. They, you know what I'm saying? That that's not what they do. <laughs> I mean, you're a cattle rancher for for like, you know, arguably less return. So I, I get it, but you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I have, <laughs> this we're here to talk pro- about your purpose. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a problem with hunting just in general. When you start talking about it, you start going down all these rabbit holes. And that's why like oh, yeah. with our podcast, we will do some research to know who we're talking to. But honestly, I have, I've maybe wrote down on a sticky note one time, like two words just to remind me, Hey, I wanted to talk about this. But other than yeah. that, we come in and we're just like, this is going to go where it goes. And that's funny. It'll lead down so many diff- different rabbit holes and stuff. And Oh yeah. It, it's why I love it though. It gives you so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like this will be an enjoyable podcast anyway, cause you and I are, um, as the zoomers say, I don't know how old you are, but we, we be vibing Austin. <laughs> we be, um, we're, be vibing. We be vibing. <laughs> so, um, anyway, man, let's get into a little bit more of the deeper stuff. Um, let's talk about how, uh, you, you stated earlier that your purpose is to be a man of God and to show nature through the lens of, of a creator. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some of the most effective ways that you've found to fulfill your purpose? Uh, showing people that, Hey, um, nature has a creator. This is how I know. Um, how have you been able to do that? You know, that it's funny you asked that because, uh, I, I've thought a lot about this because for the elk trip, which I'm going to reference that probably 30 more times this podcast, so people may get annoyed with that, but I felt Wonderful. like I should put on, or sh- I sh- I felt led to write a devotional. And my first one uh, for the trip is about creation. And I was thinking the other day about how like how deer and elk and all see see the world through like a gray and blue type hue when they're looking at it. They don't see much color. And I thought just how crazy is it that the color we wear for protection when we're out rifle hunting or, or whatever, that hunter's orange, how crazy is it that they can't see that? And to me that, you know, some people would just be like, Oh, that's a coincidence to me. That is just sign of a creator of how intentional that these deer see these blues and these grays and they can't see this very vibrant orange that you and I could pick out from a mile away. And mm-hmm. 
you know, I, <laughs> it, it's maybe a mile. <laughs> well, I was going to say some people have an issue with it. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt <laughs> you, but I was going to be like, there are some people that cannot see that shit. <laughs> some people. But for, <laughs> for me, it's just, you know, having conversations like that. And through our podcast, we we talk a lot about, I think, I'm trying to figure out how to how to phrase this, but I think through our podcast, we don't necessarily approach hunting with this kill aspect to it. We don't come at it as the only reason we hunt is to kill. That's not why we do it. Um, right. the reason we talk a lot about the things we see, the things we experience, and some of my best hunting stories have nothing to do with deer or the animal I'm hunting. Some of them don't even have to do with like hunting or harvesting an animal just in general. Like some of them have to deal with one of my favorite hunts this year. I was sitting in a tree and, um, I heard this weird screech and I was overlooking this Creek and I'm like, what the heck was that? And next thing I know is two bald Eagles come soaring below me through the Uh Creek bottom. And I'm just watching them fly by. And I'm like, that was the coolest thing. And then later that year, uh, my brother-in-law and I, and my brother-in-law and I are the ones who host the just one uh, podcast, but we're sitting in a, or we're saddling in a tree together and 30 yards from us, a bald eagle comes and lands. And it was just those moments. Yes. We love to kill these animals because I I don't want to say like we love to kill them, but we love to kill them for the meat. Like that's why we're hunting is for the meat. And we love those. We love when we get the opportunity to harvest an animal, but it's just spending time in nature and seeing how everything interacts with each other or with, yeah, with each other. Like, um, to me, it shows there's something greater. There's, there's a higher purpose to it all because there, you can't tell me that all of this, the trees, the plants, the animals and how they, how they act. Are, are is just by coincidence you know it to me there is a yeah. purpose and it's you know it's cool watching deer and going not just looking at it and going this is an opportunity to, to harvest an animal but looking at it and going why is that deer acting that way why does it behave this way what triggers their antlers to fall off in the spring what triggers them to grow what triggers the rut and seeing how there's just this cycle to it, but how that cycle interacts with, you know, maybe the cycle of a turkey or a coyote or a different predator. And we look at it through, through the lens of just, there is a purpose to what they're doing and why these animals, I mean, like we're talking about how we have a purpose, all these animals have a purpose and they interact together. And that to me, that's just one of the coolest things, not to mention, you know, in the world we live in, and all the craziness you can go outside and be in nature and feel this peace. I've had two times this year, I went hunting with someone or with two different people. One guy, we did not see a single deer. It was his first time hunting, not a single deer. And he had the best time. And afterwards he's telling me, you know, dude, I've just had a really hard week at work and this is exactly what I needed. Like this just, if it was refreshing to him, it was great to be outdoors and just see, see animals, even though we didn't get the chance to shoot a deer or, or even see one, 
just to be outside. He was like, this was awesome. And then the other guy was telling me, he actually came on our podcast and he was like, you know, I had this weird eye twitch, um, going on and I went hunting and he's like, it's gone. And I'm like, to, to some people that's, that's like, okay, yeah, well now it's gone. Okay. But to me, that's like, you just encountered something greater than, than yourself. You encountered yeah. a God that loves you. That's created all this that has given you. I mean, I talked to, I grew up playing soccer. I've talked to guys from different countries who have never touched a gun, never known what hunting is. And I'm for, for us to be able to, how I believe have this God given right to hunt and fish and be outdoors and enjoy his creation to be born in yeah. a country that lets us do that is incredible. And yes, sir. It, it, it was just that I, I, I've went down a long rabbit hole, but to me, that's how, that's how we present nature and creation. And that that's how it ties in with my purpose, I guess. <laughs> No, no, no. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I agree with you. Um, everything being purpose driven, uh, as you might expect, I enjoy you saying that, um, <laughs> makes me feel good when you say it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that's why I, uh, I like hunting so much is because I'm a purpose driven dude. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I spend money on a lot of stuff, but almost everything I spend money on has a purpose, yeah. um, a purpose higher than itself. A lot of that is hunting, um, nature. It's really cool to go outside and see how everything has a purpose to interact with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, me, I'm a, I'm a science dude. I mean, we just spent yeah. you know, a while talking about physics and arrows and stuff like that. I, I believe it was on, uh, episode 26, one flesh with Cade Carter, where the comment was made that, um, science is just man's, uh, how did I say it? It's, it's man's really poor way of trying to understand what God is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it would probably wasn't nearly as elegant when I said it, but that's how I'm saying <laughs> it now. So, um, but I think that's what, uh, that's what I really like is, is going outside, understanding the science, the biology behind what I'm looking at, why deer behave the way that they do. Like you said, the, the difference in the, that they can't see the orange vest, um, you, that is purpose driven. And I think it is something that, um, God made obviously, but the science behind that, the science of behind why they can't see that. Uh, now I don't know what it is and I could guess and speculate, but, um, it, it's just what it is, is it's my feeble attempt to understand what God has created. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I really, I really like that. And, uh, I, I enjoy that you're doing that. Let's talk about, uh, one thing that I mentioned that I have a, a producer that looks in, uh, and, you know, goes through uh, some of my guests to, to give us some ideas of what to talk with you about. Um, he said that one thing that y'all are really big on is getting uh, your wives into hunting. Uh, does that, <laughs> is that true? That is. We, you know, they don't, they more so come fishing with us because it's warmer. Um, okay. They don't necessarily <laughs> love the cold. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, at just one, uh, our goal is to leave a legacy of faith and family. And then a passion for the outdoors. And, you know, we want to, when Cam and I have kids, we want to pass um, hunting down to them. And part of it is sharing it with our family. For us, hunting, there there's a community aspect to hunting. You know, I can go out and I can hunt alone and I can enjoy it. And there are times when I want to just be the only one hunting 
um, an area and just kind of re relax, reflect, do whatever I need to do. Um, but there's also times when like every year we have a deer camp, um, for rifle season and the whole, almost like our wives come, my dad comes, it's at my grandparents' farm and we spend time together. And a lot of that time is, you know, not spent alone in a tree stand. It's spent in the house in between hunts, sharing what we saw, you know, talking about deer movement, trying to figure out the deer movement. Um, and for us, um, part of that is, you know, getting our wives involved. We don't want to do this. You know, they're a big part of our lives. Um, and if I, if they were to come to us and say, Hey, you know, you're hunting too much. And my wife and I have had this conversation of, you know, we need to figure out a better balance. And sometimes that was her coming with me. And sometimes that was me sacrificing a hunt. And I think part of that, going back to that man of God is being willing to put my wife first, uh, before hunting, because I feel like, you know, especially with uh podcast like yours, where it's geared towards men and their purpose, I feel like things that are happening in our country are because men aren't filling that leadership role. God created men to be leaders. And that doesn't mean men are dominant or abusive by any means, but right. the role of a man is to lead, to guide. And there's so many men who have stepped out on their wives and children or heck, there are some who have had divorces because of hunting. And yeah. I draw a line there. Like hunting is not as important as my wife. Um, now when I get to share it with her, that's awesome. And some of the coolest hunts, I, the most raw my wife has ever seen me was this year. Um, during one of our hunts when I had a vel I killed a velvet, uh, six point this year. And that's awesome. Um, I told her like, if he comes out, he's coming out every day. I'm expecting him to come out, but if he comes out, um, I'm going to shoot him if he has velvet. If not, I'm letting him live. But it was cool to cool to have that velvet. So he comes out. I draw back. I'm you know I somehow composed myself. I drew back, let it fly. I hit gut on this one because as I let it fly, he took a step, and but I knew I hit him, and I sat back, hung my bow up, and was just like almost in tears, like shaking and the adrenaline and everything. And my wife yep. was like, I've never seen you like that. And I think that moment was when she realized how much hunting means to me. Um, right. So on an, on the flip side or on the more on a completely different note, I guess, but kind of similar note, I've told my wife it's going to be about three years before she takes an animal because she hasn't um, or takes a deer because she, she didn't grow up with the hunting background or anything. She's just started shooting her bow and stuff. But I did find out just about a month ago, she was like, I might be able to kill a turkey. And I'm like, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> so, you know, and That's awesome. honestly, it goes back to what we were talking about just a second ago with um, getting outside and getting into nature. She enjoys that. Like she sees, she sees God through the creation, how I was talking about. So. Yeah. I mean, we, we love getting our wives involved, um, any way we can. And, you know, sometimes they're troopers and we'll come out in the cold, but other times they're like, nah, have fun. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I'll uh, I'll recommend next time she says, "Oh, I've never seen you like that." You say, "Well, I was right before in our wedding before you walked out, but <laughs> you missed it." So, um, you, you definitely gave up some ground on that one, but yeah, uh, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, my wife is always uh, she's always enjoyed uh me being purpose not purpose driven but goal driven, mm-hmm. and so she likes it when I go hunting. Um. I have a lot of respect for y'all getting your wives into hunting because I think a lot of guys um, in there, because they're failing to lead kind of like what you talked about, uh, they don't lead their wives. They don't involve their wives in the things that they're doing that mm-hmm. they believe in. Working out, for example, um, I, I, you know, I started getting my wife into working out with me, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think they're really, really missing out on a huge part of the development of their marriage um, mm-hmm. because they're not showing them and and you know we talk about this in leadership all the time is that you can't expect anybody uh to think something is important if you don't show them how it's important Absolutely. um and if all of your wife if all your wife sees of you hunting is that it's a drain on the bank account it's a drain on the time away from her it's the drain on the time away from your kids and you you don't come home with anything half the time um why would she ever think that it's important you know what i mean why would she ever think that it's worth more money than her crafts you know um so i i really really like what y'all are doing um i really want to get my wife into hunting the only problem that i've had is i have to hunt texas public land hunting is awful that's Um, what i've heard so you're aware (laughs) um and i don't have any connections whatsoever and so i've got to go hunt some awful public land and i'm enough of a liability myself if i get hurt out there um and like getting within bow range of a deer i'm not even good at it uh so i haven't been able to take her because it's just too much of a liability when i'm out there yeah um how far away are you from uh is it fort scott i think that's down there or no fort hood fort hood fort hood yeah that's a long ways away dang okay i know some guys down there that i could probably connect you with and uh, I think they would be happy to help uh, any way they can oh. get you on some deer. So, well, it's not too long of a drive for some red meat, but uh, for for weekend hunts, it's it's a little far away. It's it, I would say Fort Hood. That's in Killeen. Um, Stephenville is about six hours. It's probably about eight hours away from me. Okay, uh, Fort Hood is. Well, I can try to put um, put you in touch with them. I mean, dude, and make it that would be a little trip because they dude, do that would pretty be awesome. well where they are. So I've heard. So. They that, were would, that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Do you mind me asking who it is? Uh, I, it's, Oh man. What's his name? Um, that's, it's that's not Colin cultural. Is it? No, it's uh one mission. Um, oh, okay. Down there. And I can't think of his name at the moment. It's that, okay. If it's, if it's not Colin, it doesn't matter. Cause I, I had Colin <laughs> on my podcast, so I was just going to see if it's Colin. He's down in that area. Um, but dude, that would, that would be awesome. And Absolutely. I've got a few connections down there cause I'm, I'm from down there, but nobody that'll let me hunt. And so, um, it his name was really Danny. Cool. That, that was his name, Danny. That's awesome. Yep. Um, so, you know, getting your wife, uh, let's see. Um, can I ask how old you are? Uh, I have to think about it. I'm 27, almost 28 That's funny. in August. I'll be 28. Um, you said so. Uh, you said that you were looking at having kids and, and building a family in the future. Um, what does that look like? I've got a few questions. Number one, why do you want to have a family? Um, number two, 
how is, uh, how are you going to stay focused on your purpose throughout building a family? Um, and then number three, what is your family going to look like when you get there? Oh man, some hard questions that honestly, I don't know if I've thought too much about because my wife and I want to have, it'd probably be two or three more years I'd say before we had kids. Um, but I think, all right, what was the first question? Let's, let's take this. Why, one one. why do you want, why do you want a family? Um, I think is what the first question I've yeah, yeah. it, so <laughs> don't feel too bad. Um, so for me, I, I don't really, that, that's a tough question, but I think it's just, don't say that you don't really want a family. Don't say that. It's no, 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 very, very I, bad. I <laughs> Um, <laughs> we already pissed her off with Detroit, so <laughs> choose your words carefully. But I think it's just, um, I, I, it's just what I've wanted for a long time. You know, I've wanted that that little buddy that I could, you know, coach in soccer because soccer was a big part of my life before hunting. Um, but also get outdoors and, um, <clears throat> but also you know get in church and fulfill that role that I feel like a lot of men are lacking. You know, and and yes, sir you know, stick with it and stick with it through the hard times. You know, um, I, I feel like a lot of men, when it, when the going gets tough, they get weak and yes, I want to be, I want to set a different example of, Hey, when the going gets tough, we get stronger. And sometimes, most times it's not by our strength, but it's by, uh, the big man upstairs and his strength, you know, and, and I want to obviously, that that's the son, but also, you know, I've seen my dad and how he loves my sisters and my sisters and I, so I have three younger sisters. Um, two of them, there are twins and my twin sisters and myself all got married within five months of each other. And it was just kind of, it was cool watching. Like my dad at my wedding was like, Hey, hey good job. You've done it. Give me a high five, you know, got a little emotional, but um, at my sister's wedding, it was so fun to watch. Like, um, there was a moment where one of my sisters was getting married and all her bridesmaids were with her and praying for her. And my dad is standing off in the corner, just bawling his eyes out more than I, I think I've ever seen. And it's just, I want to have, you know, that, that love for a daughter and, and to raise her upright and care for her, you know, how I would care, how I care for my wife. and. That that's kind of, I guess, the why of why I want to have a family is I've seen I've had great role models to look up to and my grandparents and uh, my grandpas and my dad. <clears throat> and I just want to continue that family legacy. That's awesome. I think you answered. Uh, I think you answered the first two questions um, <laughs> on that. Uh, yeah, you got you got a two for I, I, I really enjoy you. Uh, enjoy you saying that it, because I've, I've been toying with this idea that I think that, um, part of the reason that men suffer a lot from anxiety and depression is because they have this purpose. Um, I think every man has kind of a default purpose, uh, mm -hmm. of being a husband and a father and a leader. And when a lot of guys get anxious or depressed, it's because they're not fulfilling that. Um, and they know that they need to be. And so mm -hmm. the fact that you had a kind of a hard time, uh, coming up with a reason. I, I, I just love that because it, 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 it serves my theory that, uh, that, that it's like that. And I couldn't be more happy to hear you say that you want a family for those reasons, because I'm big. big. What, what is your family going to look like? You mm -hmm. want one kid, two kids, three kids, 12.
Um, probably two kids, uh, ideally a boy and a girl, but honestly, yes, sir. that is out of my hands. Honestly, for me, it's whatever God entrusts me with. So if yes, that sir. is, you know, hope it's not, but if that's five kids, it's five kids. If it's, you know, one kid, it's one kid, you know, and I feel like that's, that is where I'm comfortable at is just going, it's in his hands and um, I consider every child a blessing. And, you know, if that, if that's a lot of kids, it's a lot of kids, but ideally in my perfect world, which a lot of times, you know, you make your plans and then God looks at him and goes, huh, okay, haha, that's funny. Um, in my ideal perfect world, it's a boy and a girl, two kids done right there. We'll see what God has planned though. <laughs> Yeah, that's no, that's that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I want. I, I know I want to adopt at least one. Yeah. Um, I would like, and not the, it's neither here nor there. Um, but I know I want to adopt at least one, and then after that, I don't, I don't really know what my, my ideal, uh, family looks like. I like yours though. The the boy and the girl. That's obviously I would take a girl if it was given to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Begrudgingly, no. Um, if, if it, we came out a girl, I really don't care much. I just feel like it's gotta be so much harder than raising a boy. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, especially well, on, let, let me put, huh? Especially on a dad. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, let me say, I don't know about harder, but, uh, you know, cause boys take a lot of effort and boys a lot of times don't get the effort that they really need, mm-hmm. um, from a lot of parents. So caveat that, but it just seems like raising a girl would be so much more difficult. Um, yeah. I, I don't know from what I've seen, especially in my own family, I think my, my parents would definitely be like, yeah, we want your sisters over you. You are too much to handle. <laughs> that's very, that's very funny. Um, so moving on, what, uh, what do you do for a living? I am, <laughs> I'm an accountant and a lot of people oh, at that's this cool. point go, Oh, you're one of those. But yeah, I'm an accountant. I, I, I really like what I do. I like, uh, I work for Expedia, the travel company, and I really enjoy working for them. Um, but my passions do lie in hunting and fishing. So that hints, or that's why we have just one outdoors and the podcast and all that. But yeah, that I'm an accountant by trade. And I think I chose it because both my parents are accountants and it's in my blood, I guess. So that's, that's awesome. Well, uh, don't leave the podcast after I get the recording. We need to talk about taxes. Oh um, yeah. Taxes. I don't do those. Mm-mm. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just giving you, I help. decided I did not want to go the CPA route when yeah. I took my tax class right as, um, I think it was the Obama to Trump switch and, oh, Jesus. and yeah. And my professor gets up and says, so I think whenever it might've been like January or whenever it was, or, uh, she's like, so all the tax laws are more than likely changing. Um, so everything yeah. I teach you is pretty much not going to be too relevant next year, but the concepts will remain the same. At that point I knew I did not care about tax at all. I was like every administration it's going to change. And we've seen it change with Obama, Trump, Biden. Yeah. I don't want to deal with that. So taxes were a big no for me. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Well, you've got to, they've got to change it up so that you can never feel, you can never figure out how much they're actually going to steal from you throughout oh, the year. Absolutely. Um, so, but, uh, no, that, that's, that's cool, man. Um, I actually, I, I do project management. So, okay. um, the accounting side, I actually, I like to look at it and admire it. I don't like to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to look at it. I like to play with it. Um, I like to get freaky in the Excel sheets occasionally. Oh, um, Excel is the best. <laughs> yeah. Only for like 30 minutes until, and then I'm like, okay, thanks. Here back to the accountants. Um, <laughs> But no, that's, that's really cool. Um, man, let's see. Your purpose was to be a man of God. Tell me about your activities, uh, in church. What do you do, um, specifically in your church to help fulfill that purpose? Um, so my wife and I actually just, uh, this, I guess it's small group semester. Um, it started like a few weeks ago. Um, we stepped up to lead a small group for our church. Um, it's a young married couples, no kids group, and it's been going really well. And that's been a lot of fun. There's been some great comfort, uh, conversations, some great, um, some great growth and just, um, we're really excited for what that's going to turn into. We've only met, I think it's been three times, maybe four, uh, but also, um, still on the small group side, I lead a men's group with another gentleman and it's an outdoors group and our focus is it, it kind it aligns with the just one outdoors focus as well because we're you know we're praying for each other we're doing life together as men um and we're doing it outdoors you know and it's open not just to members of the church but it's open to just the community to get men together in a in a godly group and to pour into each other's lives because i think We've talked about it a little, but I think you had mentioned it um, in another podcast, but, um, or actually, yeah, you were talking about it where, like, uh, there's this thing with men where we want to be strong and we want to be overly strong. And while that, while I think there's good in that, I think there's also a space for you to be open and to show what's really going on in your life and to talk with other men about it and go, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling right now. Like I just lost my job or whatever it might be, you know, and to be able to have that group of men to support you and lift you up and, um, raise you up when you're knocked down because as, as men, you know, called to be, uh, leaders, we're going to be knocked down at times. Every leader takes some hits, gets knocked down. I think the true, a true man is able to rise up, not always on his own. Sometimes he needs some men to lift him up, but to get back up and to keep fighting and, you know, keep fighting for your family, keep fighting for your faith, keep fighting for, you know, whatever it is in your life that you have to fight for. I think that's, that, that's in, I, I went down a little rabbit trail, but that's kind of with this men's group, what I, what I enjoy and what I'm hoping for is that these men can come together and, you know, stand together. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and like you said, we, we talked about, it. I think you're talking about the episode with Mojo, um, the, the brothers in arms episode and mm -hmm. man, I can't agree with you more. And those small groups, um, if you want, 
if you had to make me write down on paper um, three things that were going to save the American experiment uh, that we could implement, it would be uh, bring back fatherhood, um, small groups, uh, be a member of a small group in your local community. Um, and then I don't know what the third is. Buy more guns, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I didn't prepare for this. Guns and hunting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, actually, I know what my theory would be. It would be be a father, get in a small group, and lift iron. So lift weights. Uh, lift. Yeah, but no. Uh, anyway, on. Sorry. Um, I, I really like that small group atmosphere, and uh, we haven't really mm-hmm. dove into one here um, in Amarillo yet. A, a small group. I, I would really like to find a small group. Uh, D. Ellen, my wife, she goes to a Bible study on Tuesdays. Um, I record on Wednesdays, Thursdays. She works on Wednesdays, Thursdays. It's it's a mess. Um, so, uh, we, but eventually I think we would really like to be a part of a small group like that, that, that focuses on, uh, mm-hmm. on the Lord. So, um, yeah, I think that would be really cool. And I really, really like what you're, what you're doing with that. And I hope that, uh, you see all the, all the, all the fruits of your labor come from that. Cause I, I think it's, you're doing exactly what you need to do to, uh, to save, save, um, the America that we're watching die before our, before our faces. Um, so that's really awesome, man. I can't, I can't commend you enough for, for the leadership (laughs) that you're taking in your community. So. Well, I definitely appreciate it. I, uh, I don't take it lightly and, you know, I look at it and I'm one to go, you know, it's not me, it's him because I don't, I, I want to be a leader and I want to lead people, but I don't want to take the credit for it because I rely so heavily on, the one who's leading me honestly on, on Christ. And that I want, like I said, with my purpose is I want my life to reflect him. So I don't want it to be about me, but I want to just give glory to him and everything I do. And to me, that that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's, that, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah. And specifically of being there and if, if we need to go, we can, we're, we're at an hour and five right now. And we, we talked for a while before the podcast, but um, specifically with being there for your brothers. Um, I just actually, I, I typically don't look at my phone, um, during a podcast, but somebody texted me that typically doesn't text me, um, reaching out, um, needing a little bit of help, apologizing for not being as communicative in the past. Um, what, a, what, a, I guess you would probably say what a way God works, um, in moments isn't like that this. crazy um yeah so like i said I, I typically don't do the rude thing of looking at my phone but when he texted me it's typically important um and it was yeah. that's that's just awesome it, it, it's something that we we need so bad i mean we need it so bad um what have you done other than the small group um how do i how do i want to ask this question um what specific steps so i know the small group and i know that's regimented um, let me give you an example of what I do first. And then that'll clarify my question. Uh, once about every two or three weeks, um, I schedule a block of my, a block of my time. And I say, it's to take care of my men. And what, what I do is I go through all the men in my recent text messages. Um, and I say, Hey brother, love you. Hope you're doing well. If you need anything from me, let me know. Um, and it's like 10 to 20 dudes. Uh, that's something that I've tried to implement, uh, at a semi-regular basis. And I, and I have a feeling that the small group is probably going to be yours, but what other ways have you, uh, have you tried to reach out and develop those relationships with the men around you? So let me ask you a question before I go into that, because I really like that idea. 
So is that just like, did you say every week you do that and just set aside a time? Or three, three weeks to every month. Um, okay. and it, so like monthly. Yeah. And it varies who I send it to every single month. You know, I've got guys that I, yeah. I talk to literally twice a day. My buddy, Brett Hart, the, the mm-hmm. producer that I was telling you about that, um, you know, stalked you on your profile to tell me what to talk about. <laughs> um, he, uh, I talked to him twice a day, um, on the phone, at least, uh, we have a 5.00 AM call. Uh, so it just kind of depends, okay. but it'll get to a time where I'm like, man, it's been three weeks. Um, I need to take care of my men and I'll send everybody, uh, uh, you know, a text, um, that I feel like needs it. Um, huh. I really, I really like that. That's something that I think I'm going to pick up, uh, doing because there are guys in my life that used to be really close with, and, you know, I think of them, I can think of them right now and name them and I'm going, I need to reach out to them and, you know, through the, uh, busyness of the day you forget about it so i I really like that um one of my best friends he and i just we weren't vibing uh you know like you and i have been as we said vibing throughout the podcast um he and i weren't vibing and what was that we are vibing we are vibing um (laughs) he, he and i weren't vibing uh and i i was i've always been i've always been the guy to keep in constant contact you know like my buddy bret hart I love talking to him twice a day because I, I love that constant contact. I love having somebody else that understands me, you know, listens throughout the day. Um, he and I, he's not that way. Uh, and so um, finally I, I put my ego in check and said, look, um, whether they are the way you are or not, um, the only way that it's going to get better is if you do the one to reach out, you put your ego down, you mm-hmm. reach out uh, to these people who you don't feel like are giving you enough time um, and really what it was is that I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't meeting them where they were at. And the moment yeah. that I met them where they were at, it, it instantly clicked. And huh. he, he messaged me, you know, I, I sent him that, um, after like six months of not talking to him. Um, and we were both in the wrong. I, I sent him that, Hey brother, love you, man. If you need anything, let me know. Um, he immediately sent me back, you know, the text message about how, yeah, dude, it's, it's on me. And at that point, both of us were like, no, it's on me. You know, <laughs> no, it's my fault. You right. Know? Like, um, although it is kind of chaos management afterwards to try to manage all the conversations after you send out like 20 text messages. Um, it gets, it gets to be a little bit chaotic after that. Um, but I typically, you know, let them decide where the conversation goes. And, um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of what I do. Okay. So, for me, what I was thinking of is just, um, it's kind of those core group for, so I have like a core group of friends. Um, and it's just, for me, it's talking to them every day and, you know, being open with them and saying, Hey, like if you ever need anything, I'm here. Like I'm here to help you. And also I think part of that is trusting them when you need it, you know, is, and building that trust of going, Hey, you know, I need prayer for this or something. And I think when you do it, they're more likely to do it and building those relationships. Um, that's one thing I've really focused on. And with, with just one, I've met some, some guys who are now some of my closest friends who I never thought I'd meet, but just met them. And all of a sudden, you know, we spark up a conversation. We talk for a while and all of a sudden, you know, we're going to shoot together. We're going to hunt together, things like that. Um, but there are some guys who, I mean, if I'm honest, I've let slip away, not to the point of like, we're not friends anymore, but just haven't, 
uh, talk to them as much as I have. And sometimes that's due to, you know, maybe distance. Sometimes that's due to just busyness of the day or whatever it might be. So I'm going to pick up what you're doing uh, for those guys to keep in touch with them. Because like I said, I mean, I, I, at times I feel like I've dropped the ball in communicating with them, you know? Um, so, yeah. No, I, I really like that, man. Um, one thing that, uh, I, I commend you on is, uh, I just completely lost my thought. Um, I should have been writing notes. No, one do thing that, that I, I do that too in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's so terrible, isn't it? Anyway, sorry. It's awful. Um, no, one thing that, uh, I really wanted to, uh, to commend you on is, is, oh, oh, that's, that's what it was. Is you said the, uh, that you have to give a little bit to get a little bit, like you have to trust them for them to trust you. Um, I don't know if you, uh, listen or read much Jocko Willink. Um, but that is like, I, I don't know if you stumbled on that yourself, but if you did, and even if you didn't, uh, you're doing that to a T. So that is, that is good on you because you can't expect somebody to trust you if you don't trust them. Um, you have to use their ideas. You have to um, put stock into what they're giving you. You have to invest um, into mm-hmm. the things that they care about. Um, otherwise, why would they ever do it for you? Um, so that is something that you were doing really, really well. And that, uh, yeah, that I appreciate you saying that. Um, and it sounds like it was, it was pretty organic. You figuring that out. Um, so, yeah, you know, a big thing with me is trust and I don't know when I can't point at a time when it came up. I think it was kind of my upbringing and why trust became so important, but I don't know when I learned it, but just for me, it was like, how can I expect someone to trust me with, you know, their things that they're going through if I don't trust them with what I'm going through. And it just kind of, I, it, it clicked in my mind. And I think yeah. it partially is due to just how I was raised and my parents had a big thing, you know, when, when I would break their trust, it was a big issue because I, I did something wrong. And I think that was, that's one thing that I try to, you know, as, a, as I go through life, as I try to, um, you know, trust people, but also, and, and show them that I trust them with what I'm going through. And, and then also when they trust me, make sure that I'm not, I'm not the one that's dropping the ball and breaking that trust, you know? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, man, I think this has been an awesome conversation. Um, I'm so happy that you were, uh, that you were able to come on the podcast. I I think this has been really, really cool. Dude, this has been Um, awesome. I really appreciate you having me on and, and I've enjoyed it. We're going to have to have you on our podcast. It'll be more hunting based, but we'll find a time and we'll get you on. Well, you know, I only spent 40 minutes of the podcast, uh, talking about arrows. So, and, and, and some time <laughs> before that talking about hunting. So I think we can make it. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, it'll, it'll be cool. And what's, what's bad is there's people that actually care about it on, on your podcast. <laughs> uh, I bet, <laughs> I bet people are listening and you, oh, you sure. wouldn't believe, um, you know, I'm not that far ahead of you, but you would not believe the amount of times and i'm sure you've already got some of it where guys will text will text me and be like dude awesome episode or great episode and for you with what you're doing i'm sure there are guys who if they haven't they're going to or they're thinking about it and it's just their ego getting in the way but there are guys who are benefiting um definitely so it and even if you don't see it i'm sure it's happening and i think 
I think what you're doing is really cool because I think for me, it's, it's what's needed. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that, man. That, that's, that means a lot to me. I, uh, um, but dude, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your, your kind words. Um, Oh, and, absolutely. Dude. It's, it's, I, and I'm being genuine, dude. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, when I found your podcast, when we connected, I started listening to it and that first little bit that you say, I was like, okay, this is something that's needed because like, I know I'm not that old, but I look at guys younger than me and I'm like, I want to be that leader for them that I've seen in my own life. And, you know, I've, I've looked at my grandpas both on both sides. Um, they've both been married over 50 years. My dad has been married, uh, 20 or 30 years, I think all, all of them long time. And you just don't see that as much anymore. And I'm like, things like this, you know, honestly calling out men for saying, saying, Hey, step up, fulfill your role is so needed. So I really genuinely feel like what you're doing is really cool. And some of the guests, I mean, I'm honest, I haven't heard every episode, but some of the guests I'm just like, whoo. And honestly, for me to be, for you to ask me to be on this with some of the guys you've had on, I'm like, I'm honored, man. I really am. That's so, that's so cool. I don't know if you can see how big I'm smiling. <laughs> that's so cool to hear that. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's just awesome, dude. I, I can't tell you when I got Mojo, uh, Millspec Mojo, when I got him on the podcast, um, I was pacing through the house after the podcast, like not even kidding you. I was pacing through the house. I called my buddy Jonah. I was like, dog, I just did a podcast with Millspec Mojo. You know what I mean? I was so excited. And so it's so, <laughs> it, it just, it makes my heart um full the little jocko in my heart that we talked about <laughs> earlier is just jumping up and down um to hear you say that and man stay on after i hit the ha, hit the ending record button i got to get a few things from you um after the podcast i want to talk to you about a, a few things i promise it won't be much longer um so uh, awesome man thank you everybody for listening uh, to the purpose podcast oh last thing i forget to do this every damn time what are your ats um, give me all your socials. Let me know. I know you've got like a, a, a website and stuff like that. Um, give the listeners your full rundown on what you can provide them and give them a few reasons as to why they should go listen to the just one outdoors podcast and not. the. Oh, okay. So, uh, you can find me personally. Uh, it's just my name, Austin Reinold, uh, at Austin Reinold. You can find my personal account. I'm not very active on there because I don't have enough time in my day to be active on there and our just one account. The just one account is where we're most active. We're posting our outdoor stuff, um, ranging pretty much everywhere in the outdoors world. So if you, if you like it, uh, or if you like the outdoors, you should come follow us. We, uh, we're posting as much as we can daily, I guess. Uh, but it's just one outdoors, um, no spaces, no underscores, just straight, just one outdoors. Um, add a just or add a dot com to that, and that's where you can find our website. So just one outdoors.com. Um, on there, we have some merch uh, that we're, we're trying to grow that a little bit. Um, you can find our podcast. Uh, if you want to be a guest, that's where you go, fill out the form. Uh, we'll reach out to you. We're always looking for guests. Um, we really enjoy having you guys on. And just in general, uh, our podcast, we talk hunting, fishing. Uh, talk a little bit of sports occasionally in the intros because Cameron's a big Chiefs fan. So 
we had to talk about the Super Bowl and stuff. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. It hurts. Um, but yeah, come come join us. We have a good time. Uh, we're raw. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, but we're raw. You know, we don't. We hardly ever cut anything out. You know, I have brain farts and stuff, and you know, I feel like that's that's why people like listen to us is because we come at it. We we don't claim to know everything. We don't claim to know even what we're doing podcasting, but. Uh, we enjoy it, and we're just here to to share the outdoors with you and share a little bit of who we are and what we do. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, I, I really, really like what y'all are doing. Um, again, I say this to a lot of people, but if I ask you, to the listeners, um, if I ask you, hey, have you listened to the Purpose Podcast recently, and you're going to say, no, man, I've been binging just one outdoors, I'm going to be completely okay with it. Uh, go get outdoors. Um Put in your Bluetooth headphones, listen to just one outdoors on your way out the door. Um, go get <laughs> go get outside. Uh, thanks for your, oh, uh, the merch. Go buy some merch. Um, give your money to people that don't hate you. Um, stop buying Nike. Go buy just one outdoors. Um, hey, I like that. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks everybody for listening. This was Austin Reinald with Just One Outdoors. Hopefully in the future we'll be able to have your partner. Uh, his name's Cam, correct? Yeah, Cameron Hole. Awesome. Call them camp. Um, so, <laughs> yep. Hopefully we'll be able to have you all on in the future. Everybody go listen to, uh, if you get a chance, go listen to the Purpose Book Club. This will be posting in about two weeks, so we'll have most of Blood Meridian down. It gets spicy, just so you know. <laughs> um, Blood Meridian uh, is going to be a good one. Uh, after that, we're going to have All the Pretty Horses and Lonesome Dove. As I like to say, it's going to get Western here on the Purpose Podcast. So uh, go check it out. Thank you, everybody. See you.